What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod, a shocking lawsuit that could rock Wall Street. It potentially could hold Visa and MasterCard and financial services companies accountable for wrongdoings. Profiting from child abuse, the case against Pornhub and the payment services giant Visa. Who knew what was going on? Who's liable? A victim's attorney speaks out. Visa knew, knew that MindGeek sites were teeming with monetized child porn and knowingly provided the tools to complete the crime. And one large philanthropy's billion-dollar bet on ESG. Ford Foundation President Darren Walker. Every firm on Wall Street is creating ESG funds, not because they're being browbeaten by activists, but because customers are saying, we want to buy these products. We've got all that today, plus House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's controversial trip to Asia. And it's a whole new month, but some companies are still getting their earnings reports together. Hey, we can't blame them. I mean, how long does it take you to do your taxes? Do you get extensions? Of course. <laughs> so do I. It's Monday, and it is August 1st. And no, we didn't win Mega Millions. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand under by in three. Two, one, two, Andrew. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan. Becky's off today. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi beginning a tour of Asia yesterday. An administration official say they expect it'll include a stop in Taiwan. Though no official plans have been released, the congressional delegation is visiting Singapore today. Uh, after stopping in Hawaii yesterday, China's Communist Party has repeatedly warned against Pelosi visiting the island which it claims is part of its territory. China vowing to take, quote, resolute and forceful measures if the speaker visits. Why, why visit? Okay, I mean, well, or do you think now that everyone's just baiting each other? Is that what's happened here? Did someone get to you over the week? Do you, you, you think she, we should allow her to get bullied out of, out of going there? Because the president, she tells us, no, I think why, it's such an insignificant situation. I think it's so insignificant whether she goes or she doesn't go. Why does? Why do you think? Get, why I do you prefer, think to speak? Why do you think the speaker? I prefer won. not to get into a situation. I don't. I don't want to get into a little bit of a sitch just because. It's so we need weird. To make a trip. It, it's so weird the way the things always align, isn't it? Because people like McCarthy or, or just take your pick of right. who says do not. Don't the back speaker, down and make the trip. The speaker, I support the speaker totally. And then you go, Tom Friedman last week. Just stay home. This whole trip is completely out of context. Um, eyes on the prize. The prize is Ukraine defeating Russia. China's helping us do that right now. Don't poke them, um, especially at a time when Xi Jinping about to uh, try to secure a, a third term in power. I think floundering at home in many ways. Uh, terrible COVID strategy. Um, lots of problems with, uh, you know, with, with, with debt at home. Uh, he'd love a wag the tail option, I'm sure. Um, uh, wag the dog option, excuse me, uh, by uh, distracting his people's attention from his own failures at home by doing something on Taiwan. Be smart. Think of the context. 
don't give him that kind of opportunity. Why bait because somebody? No reason because they're, they're, it's an important... Uh, I, I don't know what? why I call it. For what is it important that she goes there? I thought there? you talked about chips all it's along. It's super and how important. important. Well, what is it important for her to be there physically? For one day so there's a photo if, well, if she on. No, if she had it planned and there was a rationale initially where she was going to go and thought it was important and then China says, no, don't do it. And, and we say, oh, okay. Then, that, yeah, there, it is a, you a know what? president. I've learned over the years you have to pick your fights. And this is just not one that I think is worth picking. In the prioritization of how, of this all is, the issues with China, this is like this not is one it. of the most powerful Democrats in, in, in the world, and you're not going to back her in, in the entire country. And it's, she thinks it's, it's important to go. It's not backing her personally or I backing personally, somebody else. Uh, well, I, personally, personally? I personally am with the speaker on this 100%. Hey folks, Joe Biden here. Tested positive this morning. Gonna be working from home for the next couple of days. President Biden is isolating in the White House uh, after testing positive for COVID again on Saturday. His doctor said he has no symptoms. He's part of a small percentage of patients treated with Paxlovid uh, who experienced rebound COVID. He plans to continue working from the executive residence and promised to be back on the road soon. The Pathology of COVID is so weird. It's, so it's a protease inhibitor, which, which you know, makes it difficult for a, a virus to replicate. So I'm try, just trying to figure out, you know, and it's, this is not a, this is not a, a medical, um, you know, I, I'm not in a, probably, I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you. But so if you sort of defeat the virus using the protease, that sort yep. of helps your immune system maybe does not have to do as much. You don't go into overdrive. Exactly. You don't go into overdrive so that then it can come back and your immune system is like, wow, we're not really ready because the first time around we didn't have to be talking like it can right. speak, but we didn't need to be part of the. That's my understanding of it. The other question, though, for the president and for everybody is whether the dosage is too short, meaning of if, the you, if, if you had the Paxlovid rolling for two or three or four more days, and there's been lots of conversation among doctors about this, whether you'd actually kill it effectively and get rid right. of it completely from your system. Very weird. And we don't know that in I mean, the context of the like, president. He, he's had how many boosters? I mean, he's, and now he's I've had I've had it twice. all the boosters too. I know, so have I, and I've had it, and I feel, I feel good about my prospects. Feel good about it, right. feel good. I like my natural immunity, I'll tell you. On this week's Squawk Planner, a couple things happening. We've got earnings season, it is rolling on. We're gonna be hearing from Activision Blizzard. Reports today after the closing bell. Of course, lots of folks uh, interested in that company, especially because it is going to be taken over, or we will see whether it's gonna be taken over by Microsoft um, as we await regulatory approval for that transaction one way or the other. Tomorrow, Caterpillar, DuPont, Uber, JetBlue, by the way, their deal with, uh, with Spirit, and then uh, Marriott before the bell. And then we're going to hear from Starbucks, PayPal, and AMD in the afternoon on Wednesday. CBS Health, Health Yum Brands, Under Armour, eBay, Robinhood, and Booking Holdings. And then on Thursday, we get Eli Lilly, Alibaba, Expedia Lift, and Warner Brothers Discovery. And then finally on Friday, DraftKings, AMC Networks, and uh, theater chain Cinemark are on deck, so lots to focus on. And then as for economic data, we're gonna be getting the July jobs report that happens on Friday. And one note, there's no ADP private payroll report for this month. I know so many of you were, you, know, you had marked your calendar as the company is still working to retool its methodology. Really? So, the, so we don't get a report because you're working to retool you. Okay, whatever. Maybe we just won't need it the next month either. Maybe we will be retooling our technology. We won't need ADP. Meanwhile, um, are these are these regular calendar year companies that 
aren't ready by August 1st with their reports? Is that, or are they fiscal year where there, a lot of them are retailers, you know, fiscal years are different. So this could be a quarter ended in July. But you're that asking why we're reporting right now. I'm asking why these stragglers expect us to jump when they totally miss the reporting period. And, you know, we're still supposed to. If, why can't because, you get it done in August? So, so if it ended in July, it why can't you they get it? They all do it strategically <laughs> no, about when they think that they can get some airtime. Yeah. Not, uh, you know, on CNBC but and elsewhere. But most people, if you, your quarter ends in June, I mean, how long does it take you to do your taxes? Do you get extensions? Of course. <laughs> so do I. I know, so do I. Maybe these guys need to file for extensions. But August they, 1st. They kind of, by the way, this is kind of an extension. But if they miss the July 31st deadline, I just think we shouldn't even report them. I think, hey, you missed. Um, we'll, you get, we'll catch you next time for the next quarter, and we'll report those. But you have missed your window, and we're not reporting your earnings. I'm sorry. A lot of them probably would be happy. <laughs> A single winning ticket was sold for the past Friday's Mega Millions drawing. The ticket was worth $1.3 billion. That's with a B. It was sold at a Speedway gas station in Illinois. We may never know who won, however, because Illinois is one of the states where the winner can choose not to be identified publicly, which is pretty much yeah, I how would, I would do I it. I would recommend that to anyone who does, uh, who does win. Come out of the- Go into hiding? You've seen how they've, they've gone and tracked the lives of a lot of people. I know. It doesn't winners. work out for a lot of folks who it win the lottery, sadly. It's too jarring. That, that still doesn't stop me from wanting to you remember, win the lottery, though. You remember, how much, you remember how much trouble Richard Pryor had, you know, trying to spend... Yes, Brewster's Millions. Yeah. Money we're we're is showing a, our age here by talking about Brewster's Millions. Money is the root of all evil. You think? Yes. And look at us here on Squawk Box. Ask, Ar- ask, that's what Arthur Brooks always says. It's not about the money. You can make X amount of dollars or 100X yep. amount of dollars. It's, the, it's getting up, it's contributing, it's being productive, it's okay, so if earned you, success. If you had won the 1.3 billion, yeah. first of all, you're taking a lump sum? Yeah. You take the lump sum, mm-hmm. and what are you buying? Um, first thing. A ticket out of here. Ticket out of here? <laughs> no, pay? no, no. I'd, come on. I would put it in the bank and still come in every day just to be with you. I, I would. I know you would. I would do the same, actually. <laughs> That's how crazy we are. I know, it is. Next on Squawk Pod, Pornhub's child exploitation scandal. Yeah, you heard that correctly. A federal judge has ruled that Visa can be sued as part of a case against Pornhub for monetizing child abuse and sex trafficking. The decision is just so fascinating. The implications for Visa and other financial services companies, plus how is famed short seller Bill Ackman involved? Could the board be held accountable? Could the CEO be held accountable criminally? It's all right after this. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently, and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This is Squawk Pod. I'm producer Katie Kramer. A warning here is appropriate. This next story on our podcast discusses the disturbing world of child pornography online. MindGeek is a privately held Canadian-founded digital conglomerate that owns some of the most popularly visited websites in the adult content industry. Perhaps its best-known brand is the site Pornhub, which makes money from advertising and from a paywall. In 2020, credit card company Visa paused payment processing for Pornhub following revelations that it had hosted videos depicting child abuse. One of the victims is suing both Visa and Pornhub's parent, MindGeek, and says Visa either knew or should have known it was facilitating abuse. Visa's inclusion in the case and what happens next legally certainly grabbed Wall Street's attention over the weekend. Hedge funder Bill Ackman of Pershing Square Capital Management tweeted on Saturday, A federal judge rendered a decision that no one has likely read. You should. The lawsuit is against MindGeek, the largest internet porn company in the world, and Visa. Both are culpable. I'll turn it back over now to Andrew Ross Sorkin and Joe Kernan. Okay, we've got a story. This, to me, may actually turn out to be one of the biggest stories in business this week, which is this. New developments in a lawsuit against Pornhub's parent company, MindGeek. A judge uh, talking about whether Visa intentionally helped monetize child pornography. On Friday, a district judge denied the payment company's motion to be dropped from the suit. So this would be holding Visa accountable for what was happening on Pornhub. The court saying, quote, Visa being kept in this case because it is alleged to have continued to recognize as a merchant an immense, well-known, and highly visible business that it knew uh, used its websites to host and monetize child porn. Adding Visa lent to MindGeek a much-needed tool, its payment network, with the alleged knowledge that there was a wealth of monetized child porn on MindGeek's websites. Over the weekend, investor Bill Ackman, who says he has no financial stake in Visa or any other payment company, tweeted about that case and calling Visa's behavior inexcusable, likely to cause the company incalculable financial and reputational damage and potential criminal liability uh, for the board, potentially, by the way, I'd add, for its executives. Now, in a statement to CNBC, a Visa spokesman said, quote, this pretrial ruling is disappointing and mischaracterizes Visa's role in its policies and practices. Visa will not tolerate the use of our network for illegal activity. We'll have more on that in a second. But it's a fascinating and important case because it potentially could hold Visa and MasterCard and other credit card networks MasterCard and, too. Yeah, I wonder and why, financial why. services companies right, for accountable for wrongdoings that happen as a result of uh, the financial payment. Now, in this case, you might remember uh, Nick Kristoff from The New York Times, to his credit, about a year and a half ago, uh, wrote a piece really exposing what was happening on these porn sites and how they were being used for trafficking and for child pornography, and just how really terrible it was. But more importantly, what happened in the aftermath of that was that Visa and MasterCard actually decided to stop doing business with those companies because they realized there was illegal activity on those sites. They shouldn't be in that business. However, interestingly enough, after the sort of hubbub of it all that went down, 
Visa and MasterCard came back to the table and actually reestablished relationships with uh, that, those sites, and there's, a, I believe, a network of them. Yes, there's money involved. I mean, it's there's a lot of money involved, but it's and, a fascinating. And, 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 the, the decision is just so fascinating. A because I think it speaks to this child porn issue, and and trying to root it out is so difficult, and so it's so important that we do it. And I think one of the ways to do it is for these financial networks to take responsibility for what's going on and say, there's illegal activity here. It's like a lot of illegal activity. We don't want to be in business with those people. But it also raises lots of other questions, obviously, about the role of financial services companies right. in the world. Well, you look at uh, whenever they publish the most visited website, and it's like the top five are always uh, porn sites. So there's big money there, I guess. Um, how, does, how do they aggregate the content? How does porn, is it similar to other things where they have, you know, a cadre of people that are looking at what can and can't go on the site? And then how does that slip through? Why can't they, I mean, it seems relatively, is well, it because you don't, because people lie about their age or something? No, or? no, no. In this case, in this case, it, it sounds, I mean, from, from reading both the decision and the various documents in the case, it sounds like there were executives and people were working at Pornhub who were re-uploading some of this material themselves. Uh, people were ta people tag the material with certain types of words to to well, suggest I mean, to the no public what's going films. on. There must be a way of knowing what's on there and, and not allowing you know the most. The some of the requirements for um, you know they they the people who are uploading the material from the public they ask them their age. Well, that doesn't really help. Okay, so right. so the so it's almost the public can put things on Pornhub. Uh, this I don't. And it gets I don't. Up. I have to say, having read through the whole thing and and, and having uh, this, I can genuinely say, having not been a uh, uh, experienced uh, with with this kind of thing. You, you have no experience with child porn. That's good, Andrew. Thank you. I, I, I didn't. Ex I wasn't thinking. I, you I, did. My only point is, I, I, it's hard to understand how it works, but it sounds like people. Yeah, I don't know. Pe yeah. the so public people can, can upload, upload things. So it's videos. almost like a, a user. Uh, generated content can I appear. I think that there's some element, some element of that, but then there's the uh, there's an advertising kickback component to it. So there was uh, this this company uh, that owns Pornhub created its own sort of advertising business, which also, by the way, of course, to advertise on that network, you use your credit card to buy the advertising. To buy the advertising. To buy the advertising. Okay. So there's a there's a whole sort of sequence of things going on, but. And look, this decision was just about whether the, the case could move forward. But what was so unique about the decision, I think, is that the judge basically said what he thinks. Interestingly, Republican judge, federal court, yep. made this decision, uh, at least thus far. And again, it, it doesn't necessarily say what, where he's going to finally come out. But it, most, most cases that are about a motion to dismiss the case, they just say, we're going to keep going with the case. Right. This was like... Let me tell you what I actually think about and, what you and, people are and doing. Pornhub is so high, high visibility, but there's at least probably 20 other ones that have the same issue. Wouldn't you think? Is this, you would that's think, why it's precedent setting. But it's precedent setting in that regard. But here's where it, I think it gets it really interesting. And it's actually the point that you saw Bill Ackman and others making online over the weekend, yeah. which is, you know, could the board be held accountable? Um, could the CEO be held accountable criminally? I mean, we have laws in this country about uh, uh, child pornography that are very, very strict, and anything that you do to help uh, allow for the things like that to take place. I think there's some real questions about just what the liability is for this company. We're going to talk a lot more um, about this Bizarre. case yeah. and 
the role of Visa and potentially what it means for MasterCard and what it may mean for other financial services, because banks and other things yeah. that, of course, by the way, bank these companies, right? right? Um, and therefore, by the way, you can start to extrapolate out what people are going to uh, think about uh, think about other uh, potential uh, industries and the like. Joining us right now is Michael Bowie. He's the lead attorney for the plaintiff in the case against MindGeek and Visa. The details are disturbing. The plaintiff says images of her were distributed on Pornhub when she was just 13 years old. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for uh, spending some time on this important case. It's a very important case, and and but I but I want to ask you this. Um, there's a big question about whether Visa, Mastercard. Other financial services companies should be held liable uh, for things that merchants that use their services do and where you think the line should be. Right. So this is not a hard case because um, and, and I know the writing you've done with respect to gun gun uh, retailers. Uh, this is this is simple. This in the gun context, the equivalent would be that they knew there was an online retailer who was selling without background checks or selling to people who failed background checks and were selling machine guns, bazookas, or flamethrowers. This one is not a close call. Um, we did an investigation for an entire year. Uh, we put together a 170-page complaint that detailed all of our findings. Um, that complaint alleged in detail that MindGeek, part of its business model, it wasn't just that child pornography, rape, and trafficking videos uh, were on this site. This case is about those things, not constitutionally protected porn. They not only knew it was on the site, it was part of the business model. It was part of the business model to drive traffic to the site. And it wasn't just there. They then amplified it, wrote algorithms and playlists for people to watch more of it. And what we allege in detail in the complaint and which the court passed on in this decision was that Visa knew, I'll use, the, I'll use the court's words, knew that MindGeek sites were teeming with monetized child porn, intended to help MindGeek monetize that child porn, and knowingly provided the tools to complete the crime. And with respect, so they knew. So, so the judge found that, that they were, uh, that we had alleged that they were part of a criminal conspiracy, which is entirely different, and our case is not about whether or not credit card companies should be policing particular people's views of porn generally or guns generally. This was illegal conduct that they knew about and decided to finance by allowing it and to be run over their network. Michael, what do you think the liability should be? And there's been discussions about this online over the weekend, uh, given the laws around child pornography in America for folks who are on the board of Visa, for example, for the CEO of Visa, Al Kelly. Yeah, look, I, 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 I think this is, look, it's criminal liability. It is, we allege, a, we can't prosecute people, but the way the statute works is for us to proceed, we have to allege a violation of the Child Sex Trafficking Act. The judge found we did, and the judge found we allege that Visa was a co-conspirator in that criminal conduct. What should the liability of the CEO and the board be? Well, let me give you these facts. This is not a situation where some lower level uh, executives made a bad decision about this. That was that was the case sometime a long time ago. Right. But the evidence here is that they were doing business with MindGeek for over a decade. They had done the due diligence on this. It was known within Visa. 
It was the su- it was the subject of conversations with MindGeek. Then, over the course of several years, because this was so ubiquitous, there were one high-profile case after another after another. But then, for a year, there was there was a campaign on Twitter that 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 out that that outed all this. Advocates and victims went to them. We went to right. them. Nick Kristoff wrote his piece. We filed a lawsuit with all the evidence, and then they still did right. business. Michael, we're up, we're up against a hard break in just a moment, so I have to ask you, uh, Al Kelly, do you believe that he should be held criminally liable for what Visa has done here uh, and recognizing that their defense is they should not be in the business of policing what their merchants do? When they know that their merchants are engaged in crime, and then and he knew, they knew. This was at the CEO and board level for, for at least two years. And they continue to do that business. So, yes. Michael, we appreciate you joining us. It is a longer conversation. I'm sure we'll be talking to you and others about this uh, big topic and uh, actually seismic potentially news event in terms of what it could mean to to the industry uh, more broadly. Michael, we appreciate you being here this morning. He he was emphasizing how specific and how specific specific and unique this is because the idea to to try to do it, to to try to police and monitor every single activity that Visa. But but let me just say there's there. There are other cases like this, just just so we're clear. So it's not that unique, but it's certainly maybe one or two percent of Oh, it's going to be a, it's a small number, but, but there's a number of, of companies and merchants that Visa and MasterCard do business with knowingly that are involved in criminal behavior. And that is the point. Cheese will be next. Still to come on Squawk Pod, investing for impact. Why a complete portfolio and a good company these days includes an ESG strategy with Ford Foundation President Darren Walker. It's a shame that uh, this backlash is is occurring i fear it's ideological and not based on data and facts we'll be right back this podcast is supported by fedex dear small and medium businesses no one wants happy customers more than you do that's why fedex offers you picture proof of delivery packageless and paperless returns as well as weekend home delivery to 98 percent of the u.s on saturday and 50 percent on sunday see the fedex service guide for delivery information FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan. Becky's off this morning. Five years ago, the Ford Foundation took a billion dollars from its endowment and started on a mission to make investments that address big social issues, while at the same time earning a good return. At the five-year mark, the initiative is reporting a compound annual return rate of 28%. I think most people would be more than happy with that. And the foundation saying its portfolio has generated measurable social impact 
For more on the results, I want to bring in Darren Walker. He's the president of the Ford Foundation. Darren, it's great to see you this morning. should say you are a former corporate lawyer, also banker, bond trader. So I think of you as, a, as much a professional investor as just about anything else. Let's talk about ESG because right now it feels like ESG is in the crosshairs. You were sort of at the, the early edge of it here, uh, putting this money to work to try to show that it could work. And yet we're now in this sort of remarkable political moment where there seems to be a backlash against it. Well, that's really unfortunate, uh, Andrew, because this is good for the markets. This is good for our country. This is good for investors. So let's look at the Ford Foundation's portfolio in three primary asset classes. In affordable housing, we invested in fund managers who created or preserved over 23,000 units of housing for low to moderate income Americans. We invested in 15 uh, fintech companies that are serving the global south, the developing world. We invested in uh, uh, health companies that served over 76 million consumers around the globe and diagnostics, therapeutics, uh, in vaccine development. Uh, so it is possible, we believe, to do both uh, an investment that provides both uh, a financial return and a social return. I agree, Andrew, it's a shame that uh, this backlash is, is occurring. It's unfortunate. I, I fear it's ideological and not based on data and facts. Um, and it's this is market-driven. Uh, this comes out of consumers, clients. Every firm on Wall Street is creating ESG funds, not because they're being browbeaten by activists, but because customers, clients are saying, we want to buy these products. We want to buy products. We want to invest in ways that do as little harm or no harm to the planet as we can. So what do you think when you see somebody like Elon Musk, who's built Tesla, um, by the way, on the back of the argument around uh, the climate, of course, now calling ESG a scam. I think it's unfortunate. And hopefully uh, Tesla will stand as a company that is both an investment uh, in the planet and an investment that uh, returns you a good uh, financial yield. Um, I, I really don't, to me, this is less about the personalities who are uh, uh, fanning uh, the flames here and more about let's look at the data. Let's look at the numbers. Let's look at the social impact. Uh, and then we'll question, we can make the assessment. Uh, in terms of the investments that have worked thus far, and frankly, maybe some of the investments that haven't, what have been the lessons in terms of the metrics you used to make those investments and what the results turned out to be? Well, we need to invest in the areas that make a difference in the lives of people in this country and the world. So housing, for example, health care, uh, education, uh, workforce, uh, and, and the American worker, these are all investments that are rock solid, that get you both uh, a strong ROI and get you uh, a social return. So let's look at the things that matter in this country that give people uh, an opportunity to get on the mobility escalator. Uh, and if we invest in those things, we will get both a financial return and a social return. Darren, and not to bring it back to politics, but one of the things that's happened really in the last year is you've seen political leaders, often on the right, uh, who have effectively decided to go after companies that have made ESG um, a mission. You've seen this now from Governor DeSantis in Florida, 
there's um, uh, a whole sort of uh, movement in West Virginia now. I don't know if you saw the treasurer uh, there uh, in the state of Texas against some of the banks uh, that were decided that they weren't going to finance uh, uh, gun manufacturers. So comp some companies who've, who've decided to make ESG a priority um, are now have, facing a backlash. And what do you think that CEOs who are experiencing that should be thinking? I think those CEOs need to think about all of their stakeholders uh, and think about their employees, their shareholders, the communities they serve, and put them first uh, in their consideration of policy. Uh, there's no doubt that politics are at play here. That's that's this is a democracy. Uh, we want a, a vibrant, flourishing democracy. And so there should be debate. But for companies which, uh, by all indications, employees, stakeholders want to see companies take positions on ESG. They want to work for, invest in companies uh, in which they're proud to serve. And uh, ESG is a critical ingredient to that issue of both recruitment, retention, morale, culture, and impact, both financial and social. But Darren, it might it might very well be uh, that that's the case. But as we've said, there is this this unique backlash, and I don't know if it's just political or if it's if there is something that's happening in the culture. I think there was a lot of folks who were uh, very positive about sort of the the ESG movement. There have been lots of questions raised, especially on the climate side of this, about actually whether the ESG movement went too far, too quickly in terms of uh, money uh, used for for climate-only uh, energy projects that were that that effectively might have drained fossil fuel uh, companies, uh, or at least investment in that that space. Now with the the war uh, between uh, Russia and Ukraine, what that's done to oil prices. I mean, I do think that there are sort of impacts. And, and how we think about that is very important. I agree. And there's no doubt that we're going to have to, in the climate uh, investment area, have a period of transition. So uh, it's a fallacy to believe that uh, fossil uh, investments are not going to exist or should not exist. Uh, it's, it's, it's imperative that we have uh, a robust and diverse uh, energy sector. Um, and so it may be that uh, some have uh, advocated uh, too vociferously, but at the end of the day, they've raised uh, the issue and elevated the urgency of investing uh, in, in, in clean energy. What do you think of the argument that policymakers and lawmakers should make laws and that businesses should make profits. And the reason I ask this question is we were actually discussing uh, earlier this morning this news um, about this case in California against Visa. Visa uh, helping in this case, uh, at least by the argument of, of what was a Republican judge, uh, was helping Pornhub, the parent company of Pornhub, monetize uh, child pornography. And whether they should be held responsible for that or whether the company should be held responsible for that, there is a argument, and I saw it this morning, people said, well, this is a slippery slope. If you, if you hold Visa uh, accountable for that, would you hold Visa accountable uh, for somebody who uh, uh, you know, drives drunk from a bar and the bartender serves them? I, now, I don't agree with that, that argument at all, but I, I raise it to you because people say, well, where does this go? And shouldn't it be the lawmakers and the police that are policing these things not the companies. Well, there's no doubt that we need uh, stronger policies to monitor, uh, ensure, and ensure that those who have broken the law 
uh, are uh, are treated as such, uh, are prosecuted. Uh, there is no, in my view, uh, Andrew, no doubt that the role of the company, the corporation in our society is not just to make profits. Uh, it has to be to be a citizen of this nation and the world and to contribute accordingly to bettering this society. And of course, you contribute by being a good company. And any good company today takes ESG seriously, uh, has a robust uh, and muscular program for ESG that's not just uh, greenwashing, but that's a deep and sincere and genuine commitment to putting it in your business model. Because when you do, you'll do better as a business by all KPI. Darren Walker, it is great to see you. Uh, as always, hope to get to see you in person. Uh, have a great summer if I don't see you before then. Thanks. Thanks. Look forward to it. That is Squawk Pod for today. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you right back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.